You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man-to-man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I'm Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time in bringing the rest of the team for this week's show. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? Uh, you're about to send me some kind of chart, graph, something. Yes, sir. Got a, uh, one of the data nerds. I love data nerds out there. Just was like, hey, here's all the targets from 2010 to 2019 for awesome. college football. So I'll make sure to give – Carter, his due credit, give you the handle in a second, but sending this to you all right now. Matt, I've got a new name for this time of year. When we call it the silly season, it's the dead season. It's the rabbit hole season. There this you is, go. This is 100%. the time of year where, man, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, you go right ahead. And uh, I went down a couple that I want to get into on this week's show. A man who loves a good rabbit hole, uh, and he loves uh, <laughs> uh, uh, any, whether it's pop culture, sports, whatever, uh, he can go down a number of rabbit holes and thrive. Uh, he is our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program. Number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother, as always. Rabbit Appreciate hole season. You like that, Rod? I do like going rabbit holing. I'm a yep. big fan. No it's also man. spring, so I bet they align, too. Ah, I like that. Yeah, exactly. Easter awesome. and all that. There see, you go. see many a rabbit uh, penetrate the fence and get into my yard, my dog having to chase them all. Mm-hmm. But, uh, such is, such is life, <laughs> living, near, life, living near Greenbelt. <laughs> I told you guys a story about how my dog killed a, a baby rabbit one time. Yeah, and your it, dog apparently likes to kill it, random things the, in the, the yard. Ra- the, the rabbit got in the yard, and my dog just decided, hey, if you cross that perimeter, you're – Taking your life into my hands, and enemy. She killed it and brought brought me her kill. Like here, aren't you proud of me? And it was kind of yeah. devastating. I like she did know, that for you. The bunny was struggling to breathe and watched <laughs> him take his last breath. Now just wait until you have these. <laughs> yeah, just wagging its tail. Proudest like, moment she, of uh, its life. Just suffering. She was it is so about happy. To die. Yeah, I must so. put it out. Did you put it out of his misery? Oh, he died shortly thereafter, uh, Rod. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad. It'll be a yeah. good lesson, though, whenever your daughter learns about the story and arc of life from these things. I sure. remember having my point. cat bring home dead cats or ba- dead mouse, mouse uh, dead yeah. birds, birds, things along those lines. Uh, before we get go down some rabbit holes, I want to go back in the Wayback Machine. And Mac Brown this week, guys, Rod, your former head coach on Florida, brought you to the University of Texas. That's right. Love me some Mac. Mac Brown did an interview with the Charlotte Observer, and it was kind of like a Zoom-type deal with a couple of different reporters. And he was asked, during your time in North Carolina or Texas, who was one great player that you thought you were going to get who ended up getting away? And what year was this? This is, this, this is he, Mac did the interview like, Oh, you interviewed week. like, like okay. Yeah. Like he was asked just okay. overall. Like While sitting around during right. pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Lots of talk. And talking. the one recruit he mentioned, now think about all the recruiting misses Mac had, especially late in his tenure. Mm-hmm. But the one he really felt got away was Adrian Peterson. But he felt he had, <laughs> didn't get him. One afternoon in October. Now. That's true. I can see that. As a guest of Texas. I can see that. But, now. Mm, I started. Yeah. I started thinking about this, and it worked out for Texas in the end because Texas. I was going to say they won a national, national title. In oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But if he's just talking about that much. But here's where it, it got me on thinking, that string. Hmm. Put Adrian Peterson on the 2004 Texas team, <laughs> and go freshman? back. Go back to that 04 season, and the one game Texas lost was a 12 nothing game to Oklahoma, where Adrian Peterson goes for 225. Good point. He was so, all they had. Does if you start thinking about that, okay, 
Because I think we could all agree the 05 team was going to be the 05 team. There was just too much talent, and Vince yeah. Young had come into his own, and et cetera, et cetera. Does Texas get to the national championship game a year early and get a crack at, at USC a year early? And do they take care of business a year early? You could argue that. Because you give it to your number one foe, your ultimate enemy, it's their positive gain instead of yours. You get a negative gain. So it just – it really does flip those two. And think about that backfield if you – it would be the, arguably the best backfield in the history of football where you have A.D. spelling Benson for a few snaps every few series. Yeah. And – you got to throw Vince Young in there too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because VY is obviously a big part of it. And then Selvin Ramont. Ramont Taylor's a freshman. Oh, yeah. And Selvin Young had the ankle injury. He didn't yeah. play in 04. Wow. But Do yeah. you get Jamal? I don't know if it matters, but. What? Well, yeah. And and you can you can go down and go. Yeah. Well, does this change this and the butterfly effect from well, just all of not that? But having APAD with Oklahoma is yeah. the big thing. He, no matter exactly. he didn't have to produce for Texas necessarily. Right. He would have produced, of course, because he's a freak. But not having him as the main offensive component for Oklahoma, as you point out, you win that game, and then man, history is a whole. Think lot what different. it does to 06 also. Because that then you have one. him yeah. against Ohio. I don't think they had holes. They weren't good enough. To no, you're true. They, had but, they would have made them great in the backfield, but you know they had holes. Oh, yeah. And they, they had injuries. There were bigger injuries. And, uh. It would help sustain Colt. Colt wouldn't maybe be beaten up as much. Just having Could that be. guy in the backfield. Just saying Could it would have changed 04 and 06. 04 was a different team than 06. But 04 recruiting. Was, 04 was, like you pointed out, they were one win away essentially Agreed. from being yeah. a championship yep. team. 06 was probably Just an two or three, two and a half wins away. Because yeah. look at that tech. The, 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 to me, the Texas defense in 04 was better than the defense in 05. You could argue that's like 08-09. Yeah. Right? Right. You could argue defense, 08 defense yep. better than 09. Because you've got Derrick Johnson. And, and that Oklahoma game, guys, to me, if you talk about Derrick Johnson, if, if somebody says sum up Derrick Johnson's Texas career in one game, that's the game for me. It was a loss. Yeah. But Derrick Johnson was unbelievable that day. And look at what that Texas defense did to Jason oh, White. And this, is, this goes back to you know when we've had Tim Crowder on the show. Tim's a friend of the show. And Tim says in his time – in and around the game, he's never been anybody that understood how to stop a spread offense like Greg Robinson did. Mm. Jason White that year against Texas, because even on the 03 game, he torched Texas. Yeah. But in 04, season low marks and completions, completion percentage, passing yards, it was the only game all year he didn't throw a touchdown, and they picked him off twice. That's impressive. So Jason White was a non-factor in that game. Yeah. If, it's, if it's not for Adrian Peterson, Texas wins that game. I agree. That's a good point. And then the recruiting just ranked the ability to keep it rolling because we always talk about that Sims class and then it's the Roy, B.J. Sloan, and then it's Benson, and then you had the 2 vy And even though 3 doesn't have one superstar on the front end, it's such a base for that national championship year with yeah. Griffin and Crowder and all those guys that came in that then that momentum because I remember at the time people didn't think the 5 class was great. Now they were great evaluating it. It was just a small class. There's 15 class. kids. You you didn't have much room. Pound but for the pound, amount of momentum that ever. somebody like AD had. AD, like, he's, I guess, in high school football that I can think of just from my perception of it being a Fab 55 kid, that's all you knew until, like, 2002 came out. You started to have online rankings. There were recruits like Benson, AD, Vince, and those were about the three. There weren't anybody I could remember that was a bigger deal, and AD was on that sort of Benson and Vince level. Tommy Harris was for me because, for me, he was right up the street, and he went to Ellison, which – Five-star Ellison, Ellison High School from my hometown is like a 15-minute drive, so yep. Tommy Harris was for and me. And he earned that group. But, man, I, you know, you think about Adrian Peterson, guys, and just kind of the, the freak he is. And I never saw him play high school football. I only saw the tapes and watched the All-American game. Yeah. But the first and only time I've been up close with Adrian, I think it's the only time I've been up close with Adrian Peterson was at the Texas Relays his senior year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember standing next to him and going, I'm like, this dude's a running back? <laughs> he's built like a freaking defensive end. Like yeah. he's 6'3", and he's Solid. 225, and he's jacked, and he's running like in the lower division of the 100 meters. And I'm like, he's running against like – a bunch of five seven dudes like this isn't fair. Like it looks like a grown man running a bunch against running against a bunch of little kids. Those AD stories remind me of the stories that like Rod t- tells about Vince Young when he was you know an eighth or ninth grader. That like because we were a couple years older than Adrian Peterson and he yeah. was the first kid I remember. Le- LeBron was the first one that's younger than me that I was like, oh my god, this dude could be like amazing. And then Adrian Peterson yeah. was the n- next one that came really on one of the only other ones that have came since. So it's interesting to think about, but I, I did a story. 
story on that on the side and kind of went down what we talked about. Like it didn't hurt Texas in 05. It probably it doesn't make that much of a difference, but it could change a lot in 04 and who knows, potentially it changes a lot in 06. But, Ron, like you said, I think I think by 06, I think we, we saw that team had some, mm-hmm. some deficiencies yeah. to it. But it's because it was just a young – you had a young Colt and you had so many of those transformative uh, leaders that mm-hmm. were gone from those teams. They just needed time for the, that younger crop of great players that Mac had recruited to come of age. And, of course, that happened in 08 and 09. Uh, notoriously, Mac would – he hates that. Well, hates dislikes that 2017. Well, he did. He yeah. did, he didn't like those 17. <laughs> didn't I like bet you his tune about that team's probably changed now. Yeah, no, I'm, in, I'm sure in context. But right. if one more thing on those six one. If you think about it, just because you have to deal with how your team is, because it definitely the more inferior Texas team. But in context to the opponents. That team beat Oklahoma. That team yeah. actually only had a non-conference loss to number one Ohio State. So even if you still lose that game early on, it comes down to Colt, and it ended up being Jevin Sneed against K-State in a shootout that was like a 48-45 game coming down to the last possessions or whatever, and you end up losing that. Those are the type of games that maybe you can win that conference. There's with an two, AD. two things for me with 06. One, if Colt doesn't get hurt in the K-State game, yeah. if they win that game and then if he's just not a shell of himself for the A&M game, yep. um, you know, Texas, hurt. Mac Brown's probably got another Big 12 championship. And two, if Ramont's Taylor doesn't have his situation and yeah. gets himself kicked off the team, how different is that 06 offense? Very much good. Yeah, that's big. So, all right, enough about 2006 and waxing nostalgia. I want to look at, Rod, this is something that's been out there for years, but now that Bud Elliott uh, is part of the 24-7 sports roster uh, in our national office, Bud does great work. Now we can look at the blue-chip ratio and really break down what it means. And, you know, Bud's definition of the blue-chip ratio, he's done this for years. Uh, You basically look at a, a chunk of recruiting cycles and determine, okay, how many within these recruiting cycles? How many blue chips do you have still on your roster? And based on that percentage, how likely is it that you can compete for a national championship? Now, Bud lists the uh, benchmark for national championship contenders at you know right around fifty percent. Yeah. So outside of the teams that you know everybody, especially Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Bud picks six teams that are kind of on the fringes of competing for a national championship that have the roster. The blue chip ratio percentage to do it in 2020. He picked six teams. One is Texas A&M. The Aggies are right at 50%. One is USC. SC is right at 50% in terms of their blue chip ratio. Penn State, 58%. Oklahoma, 62%. Florida, 63%. And of the six, according to Bud's numbers, the highest percentage in blue chip ratio is Texas at 64%. Now, I did a little bit of a deeper dive into the numbers, and it's right around – uh, right around 60, 61% because I looked at all the scholarships allocated. And right now, as as we sit here today, this is going to change. Now, I've got Texas at 86 scholarships accounted for once the enrollees, the rest of the enrollees from the 2020 class get to campus. Now, what factors into that 86? Well, Kennedy Lewis, who was suspended for the spring, I'm still counting Kennedy Lewis' scholarship. I'm counting all the walk-ons who were awarded scholarships last year assuming some of those carry over. That's Luke Brockermeyer, Russell Hine, Court Jaquist, Justin Mater, and I know for Hank Kudamanos at safety. So those five walk-ons got scholarships. You assume those carry over. Tariq Black and Jedi Barron factor into that. Does Peter does a guy like Peter Pudgey get put on a medical with his heart condition? So don't worry about Texas. Oh my God, they're a scholarship over. It, they're gonna figure that out and we'll hear news in the coming weeks that says Tom Herman and staff got this figured out. But Rod of those eighty six Fifty-two are blue chip recruits, which Bud just considers, according to the twenty-four-seven Sports Composite rankings, you're a four or five-star recruit. So fifty-two out of eighty-six are in that blue chip mix. And there was a few numbers that jumped out to me. One is the backfield, and go back to that 05 team we just talked about. You definitely had a blue chip quarterback, Vince Young, who was the number one recruit in the country. You had a blue chip running back in Jamal Charles leading that group, and Selvin Young was a highly recruited guy. Yep. So was Henry Melton. Uh, I don't remember where Chris Obanaya ranked. Ramon Taylor was a highly recruited guy. So you had a blue chip backfield. And since then, you've been kind of missing pieces. Maybe you had the quarterback, but you didn't have the running backs. You had the running back mixed right, but you didn't have quarterback. Texas has both, right? Texas right now. And I'm throwing, I'm, I'm including Darian Brown in this group. Mm-hmm. 
Texas is set to have nine scholarships allocated to quarterbacks and running backs in 2020. Seven of those nine are blue chip guys, four or five star recruits. It's great ratio. The only two that aren't, Danny Young, which I think I'm the only one left <laughs> on the train. Hey, he's a tool. He's Keep a good tool. Niche. He's a bowling ball. Keep up. He's been there forever too. I feel like he's got that bow ski thing yeah. working where he's just been around. Really, you a running back like <laughs> yeah, that though? Right. So you got Danny Young and Casey Thompson, who's going to be your Casey backup Thompson. quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, you start looking at that rod and you say, okay, <laughs> Sam Ellinger and. Is that was a blue chip guy coming out, but you've recruited really well at that position with Hudson yep. Card and Jaquinta Jackson, and then at running back, that position doesn't look remotely similar to what it looked like in Tom Herman's first year when you had Chris Warren and you know you had Tony Carter and Kyle Porter, and it just the mix didn't work. And now you know you've got Keonta Ingram and Roshan Johnson's going to have a full year to learn that position, and you bring B. John Robinson into that mix. I mean. You're setting up to have one hellacious backfield. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And because of, you know, some of the versatility with those guys, and we know Tom Herman loves to use running backs in the passing game. Uh, that's a big part of his pro spreads that running backs can be uh, be threats in the passing game and the running game. And you look at guys like Jordan Whittington and, hell, even Bijan Robinson, some of the film yep. I've watched. Uh, he's a guy that can help you out there. And Keontae Ingram as well even showed that last year. I think that's something also to be excited about. Are we, You know, we understand the wide receivers are unproven. Uh, you can still get production in the passing game out of those running backs. I think you may see a, a heavy chunk of the passing game be devoted to those guys in the backfield too. Just because you have so much talent. I mean, you got five-star talent in that backfield. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why not just try to find them different ways to get the football? And a lot of those things can be – I mean, we know from watching Devin Duvernay last year, hell, man, a lot of those plays can be long handoffs. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, Devin Duvernay was just getting long handoffs half the time, 60% of the time. And, you know, a lot of his targets were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I wouldn't doubt that I wouldn't see some of those running backs have those types of numbers um, And when it comes yeah. to, you know, their distribution in the passing game. Yeah, uh, if the, the internet's not cool. Cooperating with me, but I, I did I a break. I did a breakdown. Uh, well, oh, I heard this on Light the Tower. Yeah. So yes. I, so I kind of you know it's, it's good stuff. It's like good. The Twenty it's, catches. It's it's yes. uh it's it's rabbit hole season. So I went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> no, it was good stuff. That was good stuff. I went down a rabbit hole on Texas running backs and kind of looked at mm-hmm. Keonta Ingram and Roshan Johnson last year relative to Texas backfields of the past and. I just I got caught up on yards per carry, like yards per oh, carry. I know big, even man. even that metric matters. You know yeah. that can get distorted too, yes. right? Because you could have one eighty yarder and a bunch of two yard runs, and it gets distorted. But yards. Jamal per, Charles, one of the best in the history of the NFL because of it. All right, yards hey, per man. yards per carry. Brian, yeah, <laughs> yards per carry is one of those numbers that okay to me. If you're five plus, then you had a pretty good year. Yeah. So last year, Keonta Ingram was a 5.9. Roshan Johnson was a 5.3. Do you know, realize, think about this. When was the last time, prior to last season, when Texas had two running backs? Don't count quarterbacks because you can go with VY and you can get there easy. Because in 05, VY was at 6.8. Jamal Charles at 7.4. Nuts. (laughs) It's ridiculous. The The last time Texas had two running backs in the same season, averaged at least five yards a carry on a minimum of 100 attempts. Oh, can we say that again? At least five yards a carry. Okay. Minimum 100 attempts. Yeah. Two running backs did it in the same season. Sean Mitchell, Ricky Williams? You are correct, Matt. Sean Mitchell, Ricky <laughs> Williams That's did it in 1996. Off the dome, too. Well Rick, done. Ricky was a 6.2. Well Sean Mitchell at 5.4. So, well Rod, we're not going to remember the 2019 Texas backfield as being like this all-time historically great backfield, right? Mm-hmm. With that said, to your point, they're so productive, and you figure they've got room to grow. Keonta Ingram, like we talked about, can you increase that baseline? And Roshan Johnson, just if he can figure out what he's actually doing, you, you, it looks like the natural athletic ability ton of, ton of really took to that yeah. position. Uh, you, you, you cook it with peanut oil at that point. And the other thing I, I figured out, turkeys and, and why you can do <laughs> – And Chick-fil-A. Yeah, there why you, you can ah. Why more 20 and 21 personnel groupings are advantageous to you is – the reception numbers that both these guys posted. And now I went ahead and broke down these guys as, as receivers. And Keonta Ingram's 56 catches through two seasons. He is the active career leader among all Longhorns in receptions, including anybody that plays the receiver position. 
So nobody on this roster has caught more passes in their college career than Keontae Ingram. Hmm. Uh, only Brendan Eagles has more receiving yards than Keontae Ingram in their career. Eagles at 557, Ingram at, yeah. at 412. And Ingram's got five touchdowns. That's one behind Brendan Eagles and Jake Smith for the active team lead. So check this out. Since 1996, Texas running backs have combined to record 18 seasons with at least 20 receptions. Okay. So that's two guys doing it in the same season. Right. Ingram is one of only five Longhorn runners in that stretch to have multiple 20-catch seasons. He's had two. He had 29 last year, 27 as a true freshman. Wow. The other backs do it. Ricky Williams did it three times. I think we forget how sense. versatile Ricky was. Hodges Mitchell Hodges did it twice, Mitchell. 1999 and 2000. Say Cedric Benson did it twice, 2002 hmm. and 2004. Not shocking. He just played so much. And Chris Obanaya did it twice, 07 and 08. Hey, 30-40 club. Also, Rod, think about this. Ingram's 29 catches last year. It's fifth among Texas backs in a single season in the Big 12 era. Chris Obanaya with 46 and 08. Hodges Mitchell had 37 in 2000, 32 and 99. And then Fozzie at 34 in 2010. Those are the only guys hmm. that have had more productive years catching the football out that of the backfield in the Big 12 era astounding. at Texas than Kevin Ingram. I know, right? We just didn't know he was that productive. I mean, you brought up the numbers in the last Longhorn Bliss podcast of how productive he's been compared to uh, his first year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, man, I, I I don't know. It's because he was so inconsistent that he developed the, this bad stigma that yeah. – uh, and then Rojo was such a, a blessing in disguise. Yep. I mean, you just didn't know Rojo was going to be they actually that, work well together. that aggressive. Yeah, and I do, it's a good point. They probably just complement each other really well. I don't know how they're going to do it now with the running back, uh, the backfield being so loaded. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think I hated on Keontae Ingram a little too much too. I just didn't realize he was so productive. One more thing, guys, in the Big 12 era, Keontae Ingram has this, the most receptions by a, running, by a freshman running back in school history with a 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago. And that was with Watson. Number two right. among freshman backs in that stretch, the 23 Roshan caught last year. And yeah. that's a Tom Herman offense. That's yeah. a Tom right Herman there. thing. And that's why I yeah. loved when you brought up the previous guys to do it, ones that are fresh on the mind. And we talk about a guy like Hodges being sort of behind his time. Now, if he would have been a decade later, it almost aligns perfectly. He was that Obanaya, that Fozzie, those niche guys that can make it to that next level because they're well-rounded, they're quick, they're just fast enough, but they're more durable than expected. And it sort of goes along the lines that you don't have to have this 200 for – we'd love to have a Ricky Williams every single year or Deontay Foreman that can go and take it on. But it isn't a necessity, and you're learning more and more and more yeah. when you look at Christian McCaffrey and these guys that are like, you could say the Alvin top guys. Kamaras. Alvin Kamara's yeah. exactly. I mean, Alvin Kamara couldn't even fit in the SEC five years ago. Yeah. That's how no, bizarre right. that is. That's true. Well, and I yeah. think I think Tom Herman said this too. Like, would, they, would he love to recruit another Zeke Elliott? Absolutely. You'd love to have Zeke Elliott if you can get him, right? But Same if, like with the Tommy Harris. There are right. only a few of them. But that doesn't exactly. mean – that doesn't mean if you know you don't get that guy that you're incapable of getting quality running backs. There's still quality running backs out there yeah. to be had, and then it all it all goes down to to maximizing the skill set. Yeah. And that's something we're complimenting yes. Herman on and using it to where almost systemically you're manufacturing oh, yeah. production from these areas that do Catalan at U of H was doing that exactly. Yeah. And that's what's so perfect though in context to the sport right now because if you can be one of the ones that can identify the lesser skilled player and get Get that niched player to become serviceable or above average, then you're going to have a damn good team. Have you put those rabbit hole numbers on the site yet? Did you write an article? Yeah. Okay. I got to go put that. I'll send you that link, Rod. Thank you, brother. I'll help you out. Yeah. Thank you. So continuing with the blue chip numbers, the other position group that really jumped out to me, we talked about the backfield, uh, is the defensive backfield. Yeah. Yeah. You look at you. And this is with, with Hank Kudamano as a walk-on taking up a scholarship, right? So I'm factoring him into the scholarship count. Okay. Rod, I've got 18, and this is including corners, safeties, and then two guys playing that spur position, which real quick. The nickel, his have, nickel. Have you been paying attention to Coleman Hustler's Twitter account? I did see some drills or something when the Coleman other day. Coleman Hustler, he, he, he does like a, what does he call it, like a – Technical Tuesday talk? or te- Technician uh, Tuesday or okay. something, and, and he'll put he'll put like a training clip on 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 I think I've seen his Twitter account on Tuesdays, and he's got from winter conditioning he's got clips where Chris Adam Moore and Anthony Cook are working with the linebackers, so it's that spur position is going nice. to be yeah. kind of a versatile because we know Chris Ash has talked about he values guys that can cover, and I think we can both agree. 
you know, the two things Anthony Cook and Chris Adam Moore do really well is they, they can cover, cover guys. Yeah. But now it's all about, okay, you've got to have the a multiple skill set to thrive in the nickel in this league. So I just thought it was interesting that yeah. the, the spur position is working out with the linebackers. Probably trying to teach them run fits and leverage and taking on blocks, with, you know, with the right shoulder. If you're going to be in, you know, you're going to be in the box. Which yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of times the nickels end up being in the box, especially if they flex you. you got to try to figure out, all right, when I'm run fitting exactly. And, and, and your eyes, too, if you're going to be a part of the, yeah. the, ru- the rush team. Defense. So yeah, I'm with you. I think it just makes it makes sense. I'm, I'm not shocked by that. Yeah, and if you're, it's going to be something that maybe the chaos puts you in that position, you have to know how to use your right. body and use your skills in that situation. But I also like the idea that maybe we're seeing a trend where coaches maybe it isn't a fit, maybe it won't work, but it's worth trying it and seeing if it'll work and not being afraid to maybe implement a few things like that inside a game type atmosphere where the risk is a risk, but it may out the reward may outweigh it. I mean, the Big Twelve is still a spread league still the most prolific progressive uh, offensive league in college football but you look at it now as you know it used to be mostly the air raid spreads and if you talked about it Jeff now you have these very uh, these hybrid spread schemes and there are more teams that are using tight ends and 21 personnel you know Oklahoma uses a ton of it and now you're starting to see Iowa State use a lot of it you know you're starting to see teams Kansas State now is starting mm-hmm. you're starting to see Neil Brown of West Virginia wants to use fullbacks yeah exactly right so <laughs> usually, and nickels are perfectly comfortable being out there covering in a slot, even though it's a really tough thing to do. I'm a cornerback. I'm, I'm used to being in space. But what about when they start to shrink that space? What about when they want to they want to test the physicality of these DBs mm-hmm. and see if, if you're going to cover this tight end, can you get off the block of this tight end yep. and make a play in the run game? So I think that's what's about. The Big 12 is kind of changing in that regard. <laughs> so it might be just a kind of progressive move by the coaching staff. And you bringing up Neil Brown in West Virginia just yeah. makes me think he's going to be getting grad transfers from the military academies to come over every single – I mean, th- that's how – you don't create fullbacks out of high school, but you can go get a dra- grad he, transfer he fullback likes, Neil Brown likes that, that more of that fullback type. Oh, yeah. Uh, type H-back, hey, tight end type guy. Shanahan and uh, Sean Payton, they love fullbacks. Yep. And they're off Harbaugh. as prog- progressive as anybody. Yeah, Harbaugh loves – exactly. The Ravens – hell, Juszczyk came from the Ravens. Yes. The Ravens drafted yeah. him. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, the teams are the most progressive offensively. Yeah. It's crazy that they all still have fullbacks they use a lot. They, they have tools that are Jason very Garrett rare. Like fullbacks, Rod? <laughs> all right, not everybody. It's, <laughs> it's a tool that's rare that can be make the de- – I really think that occupying the mind of the defense really can be a battle that you can be playing from yeah. ahead – before every snap, which no sounds cheesy, but it's the truth. You got to find the ideal fit, though. It's kind of like yes. the H position for Tom Herman, right? He finds his Jordan Whittington, and he found his perfect, you know, uh, Jake Smith. Those guys are rare to be able to fit the, the, the prototypical fullback in today's progressive age, not the old school fullback. Now you need a juice check. Now you need yes. somebody who can be really, really versatile. Or you get like Sean Payton, you got like three or four of those guys, and you moneyball the position yeah. overall. Yeah, you're <laughs> trying to. In, Taysom Hill is. In it? recruiting, you're yeah. definitely not going out looking for high school fullback. Backs, you're looking for an athlete. Uh, you're looking for a, a, a running back or a, a flex tight end, and say, okay, I can exactly make right. him yep. kind of fit what I want. Or somebody that your defensive right. coordinator is calling the bust at linebacker that you need yeah. to make use of a uh, scholarship. That's kind of what Andrew Beck ended up being. Like, yeah. Oh, I don't know if he's going to help. Blaine us Irby was. No, I but, mean, but he was a linebacker recruit. I know it wasn't technically we wanted it, but I remember him being sold as a linebacker recruit. They're like, no, nah, spin it around. It's just always a good idea to look at the light position on the other side that, oh, well, if he doesn't work here, you can maybe make a linebacker be a tight end or a fullback. But I, I remember I remember specifically Andrew Beck, like his like the first fall practice of his freshman year, um, getting out there, and he was a linebacker, and then he's running like a – they're running the gauntlet doing the cross-field catch drill. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I remember Sean Watson saying like out of that practice the day before, or he talked about it later, he's like – Sean and I remember watching that drill. Like, man, Andrew Beck's got really good hands. Yeah. And Sean Watson saying, like, a few practices later, yeah, we moved back to tight end because I watched him run that gauntlet, and he's got really good hands, really good hand eye, and we could use him at tight end. Well, the league and believes that he also is a a good fullback slash tight end, so he's still there. And we give the credit where credits due. If Sean Watson identifies a good talent, he flipped it over. Hey, Sean Watson knew about fullbacks. That's for damn sure. <laughs> hey, t- tight end, tight end, tight ends, and fullbacks. <laughs> tight end, you. you had four NFL, three NFL tight ends. 
Redskins. Yeah, you're right. Tight end. 2014 sorry. offense. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. Nebraska Just football, baby. One was, Nebraska. One, one was playing quarterback. And <laughs> it's what the, I think of watching it, Nebraska. Oh, one was God. a linebacker recruiting. Yeah, so don't like to think about that era of Texas football. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, I don't think we need to overthink it either, Rod, on, on the Chris Adam Moore, Anthony Cook thing. That's also to get your best guys on the field because you look at corner, your depth of corner, I mean, with Deshaun Jameson, Jalen Green, Josh Thompson coming off the injury, mm-hmm. and Kenyatta, Kenyatta Watson, Watson. You're, you're too strong, too deep at corner. Very true. And then at safety, I mean, good luck cracking that too deep. Yeah, I mean. Especially with B.J. Foster moving back there. You've got yeah. Chris Brown, Kane Sturz. I mean, your top three guys, that's going to be somebody not starting that would start anywhere else in the country. And maybe that, you know, and, and maybe all of that can alleviate some of the concerns about the depth at linebacker. I know we're not getting mm-hmm. into that right now. We're right. talking secondary. But, you know, I mean, putting more of those secondary guys yeah. on the field, less linebackers on the field. Best 11 that fit together. Well, yeah. check this out. So 18 scholarships being allocated in the secondary rod, 14 of those factor into your blue chip number. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's D, that's that's DVU worthy right there. I mean, it's pretty phenomenal um, how they've turned around certain positions, and that makes sense too. If you're adapting to the Big Twelve, what do you want to load up on? You're going to you're going into a conference that has not only the the most elite quarterback play in college football, but also probably the best receiver play in college football overall week after week. You just stockpile cover guys, stockpile secondary defenders, and they've done that. Um, now you gotta, now you gotta develop them. And even Tom Herman hinted that we may not be developing uh, all that talent in the secondary like we need to. Yeah, that's something he's been ta- he's, he's talking about a lot that, yeah. uh, this off season. He's, mm-hmm. He did it in the Q and A with us, and he's he's continuing to make the rounds. He did a chat with Chuck Carlton at the Dallas Morning News. He did a Q and A with Football Scoop, and uh, I think where I caught it was on. He did an interview with uh, Tiki and Tierney on CBS Sports Radio, and he was talking about the trajectory of the program. Yeah. And that's what he said. He's like, you know, the the criticism last year was they didn't do a good job developing their young guys so that when you did have injuries, guys weren't weren't ready to step in and, and go play. Like we said, you you take a you take a problem which was your depth or lack thereof and you exacerbated that problem because you either didn't develop guys, you didn't mm-hmm. coach them well, yep. whatever the case was. Whatever it was. You know, we we saw we saw it on the field. I mean Tom Herman's not no Speaking question. out of term, I mean, the numbers and the tape is there to prove it. You should have been able to absorb those injuries considering those numbers. Yes. Looking at those numbers, mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been – I mean, I know it's going to be a drop-off when you lose a starter. Of course there is. But the drop-off shouldn't have been as precipitous as it was. I mean, that thing fell off a cliff when all your top guys got hurt. As a matter of fact, they started off the season hurt is what mm-hmm. most people are saying about Caden Stern. So it's, the drop-off was too significant. And I, that's why I think Tom Herman's like, yeah, why am I recruiting all these four- and five-star DBs if when one the, the, the starter gets hurt that – Basically, they they're playing like two 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 stars and three stars. That's not their fault. Mm-hmm. That's our fault. Yeah. Oh, not our fault, but coach's fault. Yes. I'm yeah. playing Tom Herman right there. But <laughs> it's it just spot on with you talking about the evaluation and like you know you have the good players and then you, everybody in the world knows that they're good. And the thing is, is that's why you wish you had that depth because whenever they step into those situations, at least now you can say, well, you have that learning experience. But you want to get to that point where it was whenever you watch like your defensive back. I watched some of your games recently recently that have been on LHN and just seeing guys like Cedric Griffin and Michael oh, Huff as young players they when they came go. in. And it's <laughs> like, wow, these dudes are go. flying around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's just where you want to be. So, you know, the other part, Rod, of, of being better in the secondary, which when you look at the numbers, I mean, you again, you can – stats, crazy. John Madani said it perfectly a few years ago, Rod, one of our mentors in this mm. business, Matt, mm-hmm. you as well, I mean – you know, stats are like a bikini. They show you a lot, but they don't show you everything. And <laughs> you can look at the numbers from last year, and, you know, it's good. It's the worst pass defense in school history in terms That's of crazy. opponent completion percentage allowed uh, and yards per game allowed. And, again, you can dissect those numbers however you want, but they are what they are. I mean, they're going to be there forever. The 2019 pass defense was the worst in school history at fill-in-the-blank. But what can help you is if you're better on the defensive line and, you know, looking at your blue chip numbers defensively right on the D-line, you have 16 scholarships right now allocated for defensive linemen. That's including the guys working that jack position. you got eight factoring into your blue chip mix. So probably not as high as you would want, but still, I mean, the guy of those eight guys, seven of them were recruited by Tom Herman exclusively. I mean, they had to hang on to Taquan Graham, but Jacoby Jones, Keandre Coburn, Alfred Collins, Prince Dorber, Joseph Osai, Myron Warren, Vernon Broughton, all those guys were recruited by Tom Herman. Really young. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, a couple of those guys weren't even on campus yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, we don't, I mean, Collins, Dorba. Dor- 
Broughton. Broughton. Those guys are all true freshmen. <laughs> Warren redshirted last year. So and, and I love Keandre Colburn. I mean, I think like you guys too. And so I and now you so Joseph Asai is now added to that with the yeah. Jack. Yep. And we all know Joseph Asai is next level freaky. I mean, he could ha- end up having a great year and not even be here for <laughs> yep. his entire uh, entire four year career. So. I'm with you. I like I like the upside of the D line just because of how young all those prospects are. You can see they're starting now to to double down to get the best D lineman in the state. There aren't a ton of them, but you see they're doubling down now. We gotta make a we gotta make a push to get the better D lineman in the state uh, year after year to try to bulk up that D line. So I like the upside there. And at Joseph Osai, with Joseph Osai and Taquan Graham at the defensive ends, I'm telling you, Graham's gonna be playing the three technique. Huh? Graham's going to be playing a three technique. Oh, okay. Yeah. Moving down. So you have Bimmage playing the end, which oh. you know, Marquez Bimmage is a guy okay. that we've been hearing for years, like, hey, he's probably the best natural pass rusher we've got, probably the best natural pass rusher we've got. All right, now we're really going to see how good of a pass rusher is. And if you talk about the like way that that, that makes the That's line nice fill out, line. when you put somebody like Taquan Graham in an area where you not necessarily expect defensive like pressures to, on the quarterback, and yeah. then now you're able to put not only a guy like Osai in a more natural position, you have a youngster that sort of has a manufactured pressure position, and then you're putting one of your best pressure guys mm. further in that's starting to align more like one of those NASCAR-type lines that can come from the closest to the football and has the multiplicity that if it isn't working, if there's an injury on the outside, you can always bump Move out. Guys out. Yeah, because Keandre Coburn's is a beast, and he's that. so huge. So, yeah, that's that's a good way to fill out yeah, a line. Yeah, I like that idea, actually, Taquan Graham. I mean, he's a guy that played both inside and outside anyway. Uh, anything else, you guys? Because I've got the blue chip breakdown by position. Anything else you guys want to look at that might stand out? I mean, I can tell you right now, line, linebacker is the one position where it's not not looking good. Oh, yeah. What's that linebacker number? Well, including the three walk-ons, uh, 10 scholarships allocated to linebackers. Uh, and this is with the Marvin Overshone moving over. 10 linebackers, three blue chips. Oh, that's a no. I got to write that I down. Wonder what, oh. I wonder what. 10 uh, scholarships for linebackers, only three blue chips. Uh, that'd be DeMarvion Overshown. Oh, that's the uh, guy started out at safety for you. Yeah, that's yeah. a guy that hasn't played a snap a linebacker wow. yet, Rod. Right? And uh, uh, I'd like to look at Delia the- Dayaway and David Benda. Those are your three blue chip linebackers. And but that Oof. that's also the ten. Uh I'm including I'm not including Tyler Owens in that mix. Uh but Does he I get am, some snaps there. But I am including Jaden Jaden Hullaby, uh the true freshman, potentially getting a look there. Uh, and also the three walk-ons that got scholarships: Luke Brockermeyer, Court, uh, Court Jaquis, and wow. uh, and Russell Hine. Man, that's why Tom Herman's so concerned about that position. You just are bereft of talent there. They're when you've got three line- former, when you got three former walk-ons that you yeah. gave scholarships to, yeah, you're really concerned. Linebacker about it. is at now where running back was when Tom Herman first got here. It yeah. in terms of talent, it may be the least talented position on the 40 acres right now. Period. Yeah, like just terms of just over just, just raw talent. I don't, I mean, wide receivers unproven talent. That didn't mean they don't have any. No, you it's got just un- you, it's you, just unproven. You've got 11, 11 scholarships allocated to wide receivers right now. Eight factor into that blue chip mix. And I didn't even right. factor. I use where we ranked uh, Tariq yeah. Black as a transfer, which his transfer <laughs> ranking was as a three star. He's a four star prospect Ooh. coming out of high school. So if you wanted to get technical and include Tariq Black's high school ranking, then that's nine out of nine out of eleven factor into your blue chip mix. Man, that's so scary. you like you said, Rod. It's it's that's unproven scary. talent, but you got talent at receiver. Uh, tight end, you've got two out of four with uh, Epps and uh, Brayden Lybrock, and then uh, Wiley and Cade Brewer don't factor into that mix. But um, uh, and so I, yeah, still that's talent though at tight end. Yeah, like you say so you don't. Cade Brewer's not considered in that group. He's not in the blue chip mix. Interesting, because no, he's a three star guy. Oh, I didn't know that. So was Jared okay. Wiley. Yeah, yeah you're, you're, you're see, forced. but I can see Tom Herman with that specific position because of. I, I, I truly believe he values tight end, and we know that because of his rigidity with the 11 personnel, that he, he's almost like how Shanahan is with his fullbacks. Like, he's not a specific type of player in mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think Kate Brewer kind of fit that. Um, Wiley probably fits that to a certain degree, and he thinks he can mold those guys uh, with that raw material, that raw clay, into his perfect five-tool tight end. Yeah. So I can see him going, no, 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 that three-star, no, no, I like them. I, that guy. And it helps to have a Lake Travis guy 
going. Yeah, to yeah. especially <laughs> when you're trying to get a quarterback from there. Recruit at Lake Travis. Yes, and uh, since we're on the name, <laughs> this is a good corollary because before the uh, show, I showed y'all like who was a guy that had a blow up senior year, and the best example ever ex you could find was a guy John like John Harris, Harris yeah. going two targets, three targets, hmm. nine targets as a junior, ninety seven targets as a senior. Well, right now, Cade Brewer, freshman. 10 targets, sophomore, two targets, junior, 14 targets. See where he ends up this year. He's a guy that point, had three years of being on the field, not very much involvement in the past game. Who knows if he could be a guy that could take that step, like but that. he sort of aligns with that type of person. Yeah, and uh, he's you know he's more of a proven commodity than mostly a wide receivers uh, to this point. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about, we were talking about that 04 team, and I always said this team is going to be, to me, kind of like it's going to be 04-ish. You know what I mean? Wide receivers, I don't know if that's where a ton of your production is going to come from. There will be plays made there, but I think it's going to be backfield, and I wouldn't doubt if, the t if a tight end like those old four teams came out and they were like a big part of the passing can, game. Can we yeah. say this, Rod? If you include the H's in that mix, which I think the H's are going to produce, right, like what we saw from Jake Smith last year oh, no question. and what we think about Jordan yeah, yeah, Whittington, yeah. No doubt. Uh, this is going to be a between-the-hashes offense. Oh, I like that. I, I like where you're going there. Yeah, yeah. In terms of yeah, so they're not you saying they're not going to be able to stretch the field. I think they don't have receivers on the outside that are as involved as say a guy so, in recent years. So maybe just the way, and especially if you're talking about Colin the Johnson. run game. Yeah. To, yeah. to borrow a Brian Harson term, I think your vertical shots and your outside the number stuff that'll be kind of the silver bullets you save for when you really need them. Your meat and potatoes is going to be between the hashes. I agree with that. Just because of the backfield, even the passing game with the running Because last backs. year you were a perimeter offense, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, Colin Johnson Duvernay. working a short game into the boundary or, you know, yeah. like we said, Duvernay, a lot of his stuff was to the numbers or outside and yeah. get him in space on a bubble or something. Yep. You were a perimeter offense Even last with Brandon Eagles early on. Yeah. Chunking it deep. And I will say, I'd say 2018 you were a – Kind of, a, I agree with you. A perimeter, like yeah, a vertical. Because LJ Duvernay yeah. and Colin were still your main three guys, and yeah. that's one good thing about Tom's offense, though, and the way that just manufacturing, you can still get the low hanging fruit mm -hmm. out there. Those screens, it's more conceptual stuff. Stuff if you have good blocking receivers, if you have good tight ends, good mobile linemen like Cosby, you can still do those things on the yeah. perimeter without top end talent. Now you lose two NFL draft picks, which is really good talent, but it's not to say that other schools across college football don't get production from those type of schematic plays that get offense manufactured. So at least you can get some of that, but the focus and your strength is going to be an area in the middle that. where the opposing teams may actually be deficient. You know, the interesting position, Rod, and I agree with you, linebacker at this point, it's the least talented and the most questionable position on this roster. Yeah, and linebacker, just while you're going into it and talking about that, I just went through the composite uh, 247. There are 19 linebackers out of the 247 players. So, you know, I was sort of curious thinking, you know, how many blue chip linebackers are oh, in period. comparison oh, like to your overall scholarship athletes so, so it's more research again? to be done but there's 19 of the top 247 counting inside linebacker and outside linebackers in the okay. top 247 so more research to be had but worth pointing out that that may be an area where in comparison to scholarships given out to blue chip ratio i don't know what three of ten three of ten is not good but I would just be I, curious and i'll look into it this I, next i think week. guys i think it speaks more to i think texas their situation reflects kind of where the college game is at linebacker. Mm -hmm. And even at 24-7 Sports, this is a company, how we're evaluating it, which if you look at the all the linebackers drafted, Rod, oh, in yeah. the draft this year, I think there were 23 linebackers taken. None of them weighed above 240 pounds. Mm -hmm. So we talk about, we used to say, oh, it trickles down. No, it's trickling up. I think the NFL is now realizing, look, if we're all going space and pace, we can't have the 260-pound the thumper he, he's he's sense? a dinosaur now. Doesn't make sense. You, he's a liability. Yeah, he's a liability on every down. Well, now every down in football it used to be like first down maybe, but now people are trying to pass more on first down. Exactly. On every down, you're essentially a liability, and I, that's why for the first time in the history of the Big Twelve, you had two Big Twelve linebackers drafted in the first round. Yep. History of the conference, and mm -hmm. we all agree. We're like, man, I didn't know they were that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even the, the kid from Texas, Jordan Tech, Brooks. Brooks. People were a little surprprised by that. I but, was. Uh, 
I was like, that's when I was like, the NFL's finally waving back. The NFL and they're coming here to get They are. Well, we know that because they went to Iowa State, right, to study John Heacock and his defense. And they're all in love with Gary Patterson and his players. Gary Patterson coaches a defensive player. The NFL will draft that guy in the first round, even if a lot of Big 12 fans like us who have looked at the guy like, I don't know if he was first round worthy. The NFL likes those types of players because they know that Gary Patterson has done a really good job of adapting his defense to the Big 12 style of play. And John Heacock's probably done as good a job as anybody out there as well. And the NFL wants to know schematically what they're doing, but also philosophically what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And what what do John Heacock and Gary Patterson do? They like hybrids. Mm -hmm. And they start to, even their linebackers all become hybrid players, right? Their linebackers are fast and undersized. So I totally got to the Big 12. And and even look at Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is basically a Big 12 linebacker. That's all. LSU's a Big 12 linebacker. I go back to uh, I go back to this article that Kevin Flaherty did last year, twenty four seven sports. Kevin's a good friend; he does a phenomenal he does, job. Yeah, does yep. good work. And he was talking about linebacker play shifting in the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm. And this was this was Kevin posted this August thirtieth, twenty nineteen. So right before last year, I think I read started. this article. If I'm not uh, mistaken. And I'll just because uh, this is the money quote. It said Pittsburgh Steelers coach Mike Tomlin certainly knows his way around mm-hmm. a successful defense. And when a longtime Big Twelve assistant asked about the need to start finding linebackers with legitimate track times. He replied with a quote he once heard from Tomlin. Look like what you hunt, he re- he recalled Tomlin mm-hmm. saying. I remember that. So, it's a great quote. That, and, and I think now, Rod, at 24-7 Sports and, and you know, Barton Simmons and Charles Power and our guys on the National Rankings Council, they've kind of shifted. And we, we've done this with other positions. We've done it with tight ends. We, yep. You know, offensive line was one where – uh, I know our guys started looking at things more like wingspan and foot quickness and things With that actually Those translate. Yeah. And so all that said, I think they're really looking at the linebacker position and saying, okay, what really matters? Okay, athleticism above all else matters. Yep. You know, you can be the most physical C-gap to C-gap thumper possible, but if you can't stay on the field, the, the definition, Rod, the bottom line is the definition of a third down linebacker now, of three down linebacker now, compared to five years ago, is drastically different. No doubt. It's uh, sleeker, mm-hmm. faster, uh, undersized. Uh, not undersized. Jo- said, uh, they, are, they are just yeah, they're, they're just sleeker and faster models. You keep saying they're undersized. They're undersized compared to what we the used old to model, the, the old, old prototype. Normal. The new normal is Malik Jefferson. The, the new normal is kind of a Malik Jefferson. Uh, I agree with that 100%. I mean, that's what you pretty much want. And Big 12 linebackers, I think also linebackers is a tougher position to be able to evaluate these days. Um, I think you were right about that, Jeff. I think if you go to high, at the high school level now, mm-hmm. a lot of these linebackers are experiments. You know what I mean? You, they they were they were some they were a great athlete in high school that also had an element of physicality, but they can run. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Gary Johnson ended up yep. being you know a track star, but also got a can thump. And it's starting, you're starting to see more of that. I mean, hell, Gary Patterson's famous for it, right? Gary Patterson's famous for taking some guy who was playing tight end and going, you're a Big 12 linebacker, you just don't know it yet. Or a safety and yeah. telling them, no, you're a Big 12 linebacker. Can you I just read you this quote it. from Gary Patterson that's in yeah. Kevin's story? So Kevin asked Gary Patterson at Big 12 Media Days last summer um, kind of about the linebacker position. And this is Gary Patterson. What is a Mike linebacker? We don't have a middle. The A-gap guy, most of ours here lately have been – Running backs or safeties. In this league, you better have linebackers who can vertical wide receivers or at least run with them a little bit. The prototype of the Big Ten linebacker, they're 240, 250 pounds. That's a hard guy to play with in certain schemes in this league unless you're not going to get any in any vertical speed races. That's been one of the things that's helped us play defense. Trayvon Howard, who's with the Chargers, was a safety. Garrett Walla was a safety. Montreal Wilson was a safety. Yeah. Basically, Kenneth Murray was a high school safety. Basically, you're looking at safety conversions and spinning them down a linebacker. Exactly. And to your point, just like while I still have this list of y'all's top linebackers, is LSU's one of their top recruits. 6'1", 200 linebacker Josh White from Side Creek. You weren't seeing 6'1", 200 as an inside linebacker recruit. Five years ago. Yeah, but I mean, he's going to add 15, 20 pounds easy. on him. Perfect. Then he, then he's going to be perfect. He's exactly you know, what he's chasing. It'll slow him, it'll slow him down uh, like a couple of milliseconds, yep. but that, that won't matter where he's playing. It'll still be He'll still be able to match speed for speed. And that athleticism makes his, say, what would be a catch radius or what your length is and what yep. your ability. He can defend a 6'4", totally tight end, a guy like a Gronk. It's why you see – I mean, Trauma Thieu, some of his – 
video, I retweeted one of his recent skill sets, but you can see a guy like him, so diminutive, playing only between the hashes, making amazing plays, yeah. and doing it against guys twice his size, because he's down off of, I mean, it, it could be your top tight ends, could be you know one of the top wide receivers on a team, it doesn't matter, his skill set can match it, and then when you have that athleticism, it's the quandary factor that we talk yeah. about, too, when you mentally can identify, and then say you're hyper-athletic in that six foot frame you can play with a 6'3 guy but then you can identify beforehand and you can actually when you're smarter and identifying stuff that other people don't identify that's what quarterbacks don't see and that's what they go and make those great plays picking passes off and things along those lines so just so finding that mix of a football IQ and then find a body type that's here's, similar but the body type might be overvalued here, here's kind of the money measurables Rod so Barton Simmons our director of scouting looked at uh the linebackers drafted in 2018. Yeah, I read this article. Okay, and when they were high school prospects, those linebackers who were drafted average height between 6'2 and 6'3, mm -hmm. weight 205. There were five drafted linebackers that 24-7 Sports had testing numbers on. Average 40 time of 4.5, average shuttle time of 4.2, average vertical of 36.5. This is coming out of high school. Yeah. yeah. There were five top prospects, five blue-chip linebackers who went undrafted in that 2018 draft who were blue-chip guys coming out of high school. Dang. They had size. They averaged uh, about 221 pounds apiece, but in terms of the athleticism, uh, average 40, 4.75, average shuttle, 4.52, average vertical, just over 31 inches. Yeah. So athleticism is, <laughs> yeah. athleticism is it trumps it trumps position. the size yeah. factor yeah. that big time you know I mean you just want a guy that just looked the part right it's like I don't give a damn if a linebacker looks the part I need a linebacker to be able to run and to be able to keep up with wideouts and the Alvin Kamars and the Christian McCaffrey's mm -hmm. and the Jordan Whittingtons of the world that's so, what you need the other number I wanted to get to in this blue chip ratio before we uh, wrap things up today is the offensive line and when you look at the offensive line Rod. It's so interesting. Scholarships allocated to the offensive line right now is set to be 15. I like that. Invest. Investment. Ten, ten blue chips. Ooh. Really good, right? That's elite. That does not include Sam Cosby. That does not include Derek Kirsten. amazing. Wow. Two starters Damn. and your best one. Now that is mind blowing. I forget. I forget. Cosme was a three star guy. This makes it more like Man. 04 than you could ever imagine, Rod. Like to think about because you had a good 2000, wow. 2001, 2002 offensive line. But the youngsters that whenever you saw Vince start to be put into games in 03, yep. they brought in an entire wave. They would bring That's in crazy. five offensive linemen to sub for five offensive linemen. Go watch. They talk all about how special this is and how – but uh, you had to if you had Vince Young as your running back he, or as your quarterback. He's gonna not going to be yeah. – I mean, you have to teach these guys totally different principles as linemen than you could have had before when you had yeah. Major, Sims, Mock, or anything like that. That's when they actually turned Mock into being a running quarterback sort of as the backup because they still would run zone read because once you let those youngsters of sin line and, yeah. and stuttered to come in and relieve and then align with a young Blaylock, then you're able to have that zone scheme that was a little bit different than you had had before on the offensive line. And it just shows that you could have – that much talent as a wave of youngsters, and that's sort of where we're at right now where you're talking about, oh, you have your top first-round pick, guy that's going to be gone. you got another good set of guys, but what's behind them? Blue chippers all across the line, okay. and that's rare. So this, Rod, gets me to the point when you talk about offensive and defensive lines and winning along the line of scrimmage and why it's so paramount for Tom Herman and this thing to work out for the health of this program. You can't afford to reset the clock on the offensive lineman and defensive lineman you've recruited. Mm -hmm. If you can win and develop these guys and they do hit their ceilings, you could be in for a really nice run because, like we talked about, with those young defensive linemen, think about this. Those 10 blue-chip offensive linemen, you know how many of them are going to be juniors and seniors on this roster next year? How many? One. Damn. That's Denzel that Oakford. next wave. That's that wow. Blaylock stuttered. Denzel Okafor, that's it. That's Tyler Johnson, Reese Moore, Jake Majors, Isaiah Hookfin, Junior Angulao, Logan Parr, Jalen Garth, Andre Carriage. Yeah. Herb Hand doing work. Yeah. That's crazy. 
That is that is very very promising. Actually. And and that because you've got production at the top. In a really good mood, <laughs> just randomly yeah. got in a really. He is. Good you mood can see it. He's nice and happy. That is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's phenomenal. I didn't realize. It, I knew they were investing in the office line. We knew that, and they were they were doing it to the point where they could sit guys and develop them, develop guys they for the first want, time. No yeah, trade exactly. Hopkins. They didn't want to have to out of uh, out of some desperation have to play the young guys, which we've seen time and time Hopkins again. Is stale. You can see inconsistent development with offensive line when you got to throw them in the mix. So I love the fact that they've been letting these guys kind of develop, uh, really kind of cultivating their talent with Herb Hand, whether you love Herb Hand or not, I don't know. He's still got a lot to prove too. Uh, but with that kind of talent, it's going to be hard for him to screw that up. Yeah, and <laughs> I love seeing this blue chip ratio because I thought about it wow. whenever you – first shared I think you retweeted the article That's and good. then went and looked and I was like all right this is something for the next year that to start a line okay this is a great thing at looking at players coming in and then we sort of talk about your bust yep. rates and evaluating our process that we had always done is after their collegiate effect so yep. now to see the correlation between the two going forward I'm really interested to start charting just where those top end blue chip guys how many of them become your college contributors, your NFL Cali yeah. guys. How many of those guys become your bust? And then, okay, well, on the low end, it sounds like this group right now, when you got your guys like your Cosby's or your uh, Kate Brewers, those are the three-star type guys that aren't your blue chippers Kurt yet Stutter have big roles. Throw him into that mix there too. you go. Yeah. So you got those guys. And that's sort of what we had been asking and wanting from Texas is finally get to the point where you're developing those low-end guys into NFL guys, and that's when you could come across a roster like, oh, 809 and your Colt McCoys yeah. blend well with your blue chippers and vice versa across the board. So it'll be interesting to see because this is a great way to just basically summarize and have a quantifiable aspect of development where you have the blue chip. We already talked about the post-production evaluation. How do those correlate? Hopefully they correlate highly because that'll mean you have very high development. But yeah. in terms of development, like there's there. You look at these numbers now. That's a lot on Oscar Giles. That's yep. a lot on Mark Hagan, Herb and that's Hand. a lot on Herb Hand. Because what Herb Hand's got, yeah, you don't have any junior, you know, juniors or seniors in terms of your roster, like where they're listed out on the roster that are in that blue chip mix. But your, your third year guys, those redshirt sophomores, or Reese Moore, Rafiti Grimai, uh, you know, Christian Jones was a three star. But you're gonna have to start to figure out. Okay, what do you really have with some of these guys? You know, Tyler Johnson, Isaiah Hookfin, like where can these guys help you? Can you develop these guys? You've got you know, you've got the pieces. Now now go now go develop them. See how good you are yeah. at developing. And that's what we talk about, Rod. Like, can Tom Herman and this staff develop? We don't we really don't know. know. We don't know. We don't know yet. And we don't know what the mystery is as to what the disconnect, right? Why they are being able to recruit players and get the really high blue chip ratios and yet on the other end not produce the NFL talent that's why going back to your point you made weeks ago big year for Tom Herman and his overall culture and philosophy and blueprint because if you don't start getting you know those the Caden Stearns and if Cosme somehow drops into the second round because of the production and you know Joseph Asai underachieves you're gonna start thinking to yourself man these dudes can't develop talent they all need to go or Tom Herman's blueprint is wrong because we know the talent is there, as we've always said. Yeah. And we know Charlie couldn't do it. And later on in Max tenure, he couldn't develop that talent either. Um, and we were hoping that Tom Herman can do that. And that's the only way you're going to be able to, you know, maximize that blue chip ratio and compete for a championship. We well, know that. Like, just, again, for the health of the program, you should be hoping it works out under Tom Herman that he gets it figured out because – No question. Rod <laughs> – if you got to get a new coaching staff in here after this season and reset this clock again and do this all over again they so won't. that two years from now we're sitting here having this same conversation? They won't. Unless he, unless he doesn't make a bowl game, that's the only way that Tom Hurd won't come back next year, especially with the pandemic. There's no way. Yeah. Here's, There's here's no way exactly. with all that going on. Here's, here's where you're going to – If it's say Shaka, his damn show going to shave Tom Herman. But here's, <laughs> here's, here's where you're going to need it, COVID ain't killing though. everything. Where you're really going to need it, though, regardless of you know jobs that you can get that debate, that's – you know, a different conversation for a different time. You need it to help you in recruiting because if you don't start having results on the field, That's true. you can only sell the future for so long in recruiting. And That's I think you're true. starting to see it some with this 2021 class of guys like, yeah, okay, um, are you going to win? You didn't win last year. We thought you were going to win. Uh, you know, LSU just won a national championship. Right. Nobody's taking the Big 12 away from Oklahoma yet. Lincoln Riley's recruiting really well. So it's – David Aranda's recruiting pretty well. It is, a, it is a – 
pivotal time for Tom Herman. Like you've for to and and it's like yeah, well you got a couple really good recruiting classes, right? But that that doesn't stop. No. Like you have to keep stacking talent on talent on talent no to get to where you want to be. If you want to be where Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson are, that's what those programs do year after year. Amen, brother. That's what Mac. That's what Mac was what doing Mac back did. in the day, yeah, right? Yeah. That's what Mac did for like from like ninety nine to what two thousand six something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, I mean he basically had top five, top ten recruiting classes. Year I, after year. Honestly, all the way up till nine ten. Now, maybe you're right. Yeah, I forgot. yeah, I'm tripping. Yeah, Gary yeah. Gilbert too. So eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Oh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show. Rod, thanks for everything, man. Always fun. Always fun, brother. Matt, appreciate the time. Oh, you're more than welcome. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B each and every weekday on the Triple Option Afternoon Show. Shameless plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, uh, you can get all of our archives, classic interviews, classic shows on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. And don't forget to find us on anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. You get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship just by searching Horns 24-7 Podcasts. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.